Welcome to Beyond Trauma, a podcast from therapists for clients about the healing journey. We hope this will be a resource of encouragement, comfort, insight, and understanding for you along this courageous process. Welcome back to Beyond Trauma, a guide for your healing journey. We are here in the studio today with Melissa, Jen, and myself, Bridger. Hello. Hi. Um, Today, we are going to be continuing our discussion on the acronym Recognize, Understand, Attune, and Co-Regulate, which is just a very kind of simple way. Well, it sounds simple. In practice, you'll find it's actually not as simple. But it's an acronym that we've uh, just put together to help people kind of know how to make sense of this process of getting activated um, by something. Maybe it's a situation that's unfolding in front of you or something you're thinking about, or maybe just an interaction that you had and being able to really slow the moment down and recognize what's kind of going on internally for you, what's coming up, what's causing the type of reaction that you're having to the situation unfolding and then to move on from there of how to understand it and then actually respond differently than you would if you didn't have uh, this this process. Sometimes that can happen in the moment after a lot of practice, Mm -hmm. but for a lot of us, for a while, it kind of just hangs out in the after something happens, how can we look back on it and really make sense of it in a new way? Mm -hmm. And that's not a bad thing. No, not at all. Very important. That's where change actually starts. Yes. Yeah, it's okay for every interaction to not play out perfectly and to not respond perfectly. Mm-hmm. But it's kind of how do we make sense of that and work through it after that's going mm-hmm. to make a shift and a change moving forward, hopefully. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So before we do that, we're going to take a couple uh, minutes just to talk about some things going on here at Beyond yeah. Healing. Mm-hmm. Well, first of all, we're all three together. It's been like what has felt like a while for us to record an episode all three of us i know so. it's true i'm not really exciting. sure why other than all the usual reasons that <laughs> there's just a lot happening life being lifey yeah yes mm-hmm. so we just want to uh share a little bit more about uh, the community that we're really creating here with beyond healing and invite you to be more of a part of that community if you've been listening to the podcast and find some of this interesting and feel like hey i relate to these people and what they're saying yeah. and i could you know, digest more of this. We have a Patreon account, which is just a nice uh, system where we can give more information and you guys can become more and more a part of the community that we've created and, um, yeah, get more resources from us, um, information, different additional episodes, uh, bumper stickers or (laughs) decals, fun things like that. Also access to like other people. Yeah. Like you'll get involved in a community um, where your voice can be just one of many that you're now interacting with, mm-hmm. actually right. building friendships. Mm-hmm. Yes, and our, our hope in all of this is this is a way that you can join. There's different tiers of membership that you can join, and through that, as you uh, participate in those tiers, it helps to provide support for the podcast for us to continue to create more resources, get more content out there, and to continue to funnel back more things for the community that we're developing. So. If that's something you're interested in, check us out. Um, Bridger, do you know that well, <laughs> website? Patreon.com slash Beyond Healing Center. Thank you. Um, is our, our kind of larger one, but the one for this podcast is Patreon.com slash Beyond Trauma Podcast. That's correct. Yep. Yes. Thank you. Mm-hmm. I realized when I volunteered to like <laughs> say all of that, I you was didn't like, actually well, remember where to find it. <laughs> so there say. are so many different points that yeah. you can like. That's true. Engage with us. Right. So yes, it's a lot to to keep track of. And when in doubt, you can always go to the website. And That's that, right. You know, yes. will get you to where you need to go. Yes. Which yeah. is beyondhealingcenter.com. Mm-hmm. But if you want to look at the Patreon page, you can kind of see what the different tiers are, what the membership cost is, and what they include. And um, see if anything fits what your interests are. And we'd love to have you be part of that with us mm-hmm. and to send in any questions, comments, yeah. feedback. And we want to make this as relational and engaging as possible with, you know, what we're showing up with and all of the people that are listening. Yeah. Very cool. Yes. So without further ado, let's talk about the second letter of RUAC. Understand. Ooh, understand. Mm-hmm. Yes. So before we really dive into that, just again, a brief uh, overview of the Recognize uh, episode that if you haven't listened to, 
Um, Jen and I talked about that for about 45 minutes on the last episode. So you can Mm go um, kind of just deep dive into what it is to recognize. Um, And what we mean by that is in any kind of circumstance or really just any time the human brain is conscious or like awake, um, there are so many different um, reactions that are forming inside and different stimuli that's being processed in different ways, way more than we're really ever conscious of. And all of that kind of just hangs out uh, throughout our day. But then when we, uh, when something comes into our awareness that we need to respond to, that means that all below the surface, there's been this building of uh, kind of information that's coming up in our body saying, you know, this is happening in our environment. We should respond to it in this way. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we now carry out a behavior that then goes out into the environment, creates a reaction, and then we're now in a full-on interaction with somebody. Yeah. This can be positive, like playful, but it can also be uh, more charged with some uh, bits of anger potentially or setting a boundary or even something like ordering a coffee. Like all of your behaviors um, are preceded by a long line of activations in your body before anything ever comes out on the surface. Mm -hmm. And so that's the recognized aspect is how can we look at what is this process that's been going on before this behavior came out that seemed to create the reaction that I'm now reflecting on. Both in our own bodies and in other bodies. Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. And that piece is so, I mean, we kept, that was kind of my soapbox last episode. I kept coming back to that and will again in this episode of how important this is to recognize to recognize <laughs> that this is a process that's not just for other people. We're not just trying to see where their activation comes in and, and notice that, but also for ourselves and like turning inward and pausing long enough in those relational interactions to look inward and say, what is happening here? Yeah. Um, what am I experiencing and what does this mean? Yeah. And that, I mean, goes to understanding. Like when we start to move into that understanding, all of that information the way we even make sense of it in our own mind is, uh, and you'll hear us cue into this a lot in any content you listen to from us, but the way that you make sense of any type of uh, behavior or activation or whatever it is, is through your own lived experience all throughout your life. Yeah. So in the present moment right now, the way I'm making sense of any stimuli that I'm aware of is through my previous experiences of similar enough situations. Yeah. So like, you know, my legs are not crossed right now. I'm sitting up. So now my body is like ready to do something. I have my water. So I know that I'm good if I need anything. Like all of this is based on my past experience of um, getting ready to communicate information Mm -hmm. or something like that. Mm -hmm. You take that then into like a social situation where you're at a meeting maybe, and you're thinking of what you need to say, and you're getting ready for that. Like all of those experiences of your past of needing to communicate information in a room of other people is Mm. coming to bear on the present moment. Yeah. And that's likely below your conscious awareness, but that's the, that's the component of the acronym RUAC and recognize like we, we want to start growing in our ability to slow down, mm-hmm. even if it's in looking back mm-hmm. on a situation that unfolded maybe 10 minutes ago or yesterday or whenever and being able to say, oh, yeah, I responded this way potentially. And that actually felt like this in my body before mm-hmm. I ever even carried out yeah. an action or a behavior. Yeah, it's like moving those subconscious experiences a bit more into your conscious awareness. Right. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And having a, a practice of being reflective after mm-hmm. a situation like that of um, kind of curiously investigating what was the bigger picture there, like what was going on um, that maybe wasn't apparent to me or maybe that I've just been in the habit of not paying attention to. Because mm. um, I think all of us are kind of trained to pay attention to different things, like what's relevant and not relevant. Yeah. And so learning to become more aware of all of it and uh, kind of be reflective of um, all of the different elements of what it actually means to uh, come into a situation like that. Like, I really like your example, Bridger, of getting ready to do some kind of public speaking situation. Um, You know, I think all three of us experience that state of activation as excitement. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Like our, you know, our body gets ready and it's kind of this like lovely tingling feeling and like, Ooh, I'm so excited that I get to do this thing. Yeah. Yeah. But for, you know, 95% of the population that strikes terror into their heart. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And so I think, yes, exactly. (laughs) And so I think that, um, like moving into the understanding portion of this, one of the things that's really, uh, important is that understanding doesn't mean assuming that we know 
Understanding doesn't mean leaping to conclusions of, oh, well, if I was doing that, I would be feeling this way. And so that must be how they're feeling too. And this is why they're doing what they're doing. That kind of uh, jumping to conclusions is actually very counterproductive. Mm -hmm. And so when we're talking about understanding, it's different than that. It's not about jumping to conclusions and making assumptions that we can't possibly actually know. It's like a desire to understand rather than already knowing. Yeah, Mm -hmm. It's a stance of curiosity rather than concluding. Mm -hmm. And that feels very different. Um, And whether we're like being reflective in our own space or we're having a conversation with the other person about how that interaction went, that stance of curiosity rather than concluding and assuming feels so much better to everybody mm-hmm. involved yeah. and gives a gives room for a lot more information to really be brought in. Yeah, mm-hmm. and that whole process of what we're saying, you know, kind of we're in this effort where we're sort of moving past mm-hmm. this like assuming or jumping to conclusions, et cetera. That is what we do without this process in place, right. yeah. like without the intentional awareness of I'm going to step back and recognize what's going on before I jump mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. conclusions mm-hmm. without this posture, without this process, we just do that mm-hmm. because we're trying to just make sense of the environment and respond in an efficient way. You know, we've talked about shortcuts. Yeah. Yeah. We've talked about before on the podcast, like we're mammalian organisms Mm -hmm. and that means efficient and effective response to a stimuli is the basic ingredient to our survival. Right. We can't spend time, uh, bogged down in trying to process different, uh, elements all the time because we need to get this response out into the environment. Mm-hmm. You know, Jen, you've used the, um, analogy of the snake on the side of the road mm-hmm. or something, or the snake on the side of a path on a path. Yeah. Like a sidewalk. You, if it is a snake, you don't want to be contemplating whether or not it is a snake. You want to avoid the path. Uh, before it comes into contact with you Mm -hmm. rather than saying, no, you know what? I listened to that podcast and even though I think it's a snake, I'm going to get down on its level. Oh, and I need to check this to, out. I'm going to try to really yeah. get up close. Maybe. Are you a copperhead? Yeah, maybe ask her. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Initiate conversation. Are you a snake? And if you are, I still have more questions. <laughs> are you planning on biting me? Right. If we, so, we should, we should more discuss questions. It, right? Do you are you poisonous? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. All right. Also, where are you going to bite me? Right. That's yeah. another yeah. important yeah. question. How close is the nearest hospital? Yes. Yeah. Can I start this interaction over, actually? Yeah. Because I'm dead. <laughs> <Let's> try <laughs> Yes. Oh, we took that one really far. That's okay. We haven't been all together on a podcast in a while. some play involved. Yeah. So without, you know, without our body's natural stimulus response system, we would not be here as a species. So we're very thankful for that. But sometimes that hardwiring can hijack our system Mm -hmm. when we uh, are interacting with a loved one or somebody that we maybe don't want to be just reacting to. We want to be actually engaging with. Well, and this is like one of those, um, kind of blessing and curses of what it means to be a human being and how we got to where we are. Um, that system is one of the main reasons why we've made it as far as we have, right. To be that, um, quick to respond is why we're all still walking around. Yeah. The problem is, is that, well, then life got a lot more complicated And so our threat detection system is right now in the midst of our, all of our lives, trying to figure out how to adapt to new complexities Mm. where threats are less often snakes on the side of the path that I'm walking on or bears chasing me in the woods and more likely to be somebody made a nasty comment on Facebook. Mm -hmm. Or I got a text message from my mom. Right. Or my, you know, my best friend and I don't agree about politics. Mm Mm-hmm that fast reactive uh, system that used to keep us safe and alive is now causing a lot of major issues. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yes. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, on one hand, like, I'm so glad that it's there. Like, let's keep using it for what it was actually designed for, which is walking in the woods. And it's not designed for social interactions, but that doesn't mean that we can just say, excuse me, body, will you please quit responding that way? Like, could you quit with the adrenaline? Yeah. Like, right? Like, no, it's not going to do it's that. It's just it, a text message. Yes. I yeah. Don't calm down. Yeah. <laughs> I don't need to actually comes out gun, guns blazing. Like yeah, nobody's right. trying to kill me it's right okay. now. Yeah. yeah. But our, our biology doesn't know that yet. And so it's a self-compassionate stance to take to say, okay, those reactions are going to keep happening in my body and in everybody else's body. Mm-hmm. 
and in my children's body, (laughs) like all those big, quick reactions, they're going to keep happening. So it's more, how do we navigate those reactions? And then how do we show up after the fact and try to understand together, whoa, what just happened here? Mm. Because that was big and messy and painful. Um, but there's always more to the story than we originally thought. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we're, we're kind of nicely unfolding a bit into the leap from recognize to understand. And so in this, in this part of the episode, what we wanted to kind of go over are um, kind of three major themes. Um, one is the way our brain kind of organizes memory. We've talked about that already of yeah. um, the biological necessity for us to know how to respond to something based on our experience of it in the past, but then also how that can kind of get in our way. So that's the first part of what we wanted to talk about with these concepts of um, virtual others, which is a concept we'll go into a little bit more. And then the concept of what we call landmines, Mm -hmm. which again, we'll go into farther. But all of this, um, just as we've talked about throughout this podcast is going on in the brain. You know, these are all the brain's actual structures in your skull that are um, creating pathways that have associations with them that are stimuli and experience dependent. Mm -hmm. And so what we mean by that is it takes a certain experience and a set of stimuli, a set of things happening and you detecting and making sense of it in order to cause a behavior or reaction or an activation pattern or however else you want to talk about it. So the way the brain is built over time is that it takes these experiences and the connections that are made in your brain and then layers on top of that and just uses those same activation patterns again and again um, unless a strong enough experience happens to where maybe we consider change Mm. but that's that's tough Mm -hmm. so we'll get more into that as we go but yeah let's just start there yeah sounds good just just there. Yeah, just, <laughs> that was a lot. Just just right there. I was gonna say which bit of their yeah, bridger there was a whole lot there. Anywhere, like however you guys want to go in. No. Well what I mean, what if we start with start with those two words and just kind of give mm-hmm. our definition and understanding of what those things mean. So virtual others, another phrase that we use a lot, which I think is very descriptive of virtual mm-hmm. others, is ghosts, mm-hmm. particularly mm-hmm. ghosts of our past that haunt us and all of the things that that evokes in your body when I say that mm-hmm. are accurate. <laughs> that you're haunted by ghosts. Yes, yeah. Shiver at my exactly. <laughs> and and this feeling of like it's there but it's not there. Is it is it real? Is it not real? Mm. And what the heck is it anyway? Yeah. <laughs> um, like all of that is is viscerally true. And so I think you know our definition of a virtual other is an experience, a real lived experience that we've had in our past that left such an impression on our body, on our mind, on our personality, our understanding of self, that that impression uh, is carried with us throughout the rest of our life until something comes along to shift it in some way, which can happen. Uh, But for this part of the conversation, uh, virtual others get made by intense emotional experience. Yes. And that relational experience, really specifically, and a a real-life relational experience and however that plays out and that being stored within the system in that state dependent fashion of uh, making sense of the self and the world around you through how that person responded to you in that relational interaction. Yeah. Yeah, With whatever you were kind of interacting about, Mm -hmm. you know, we have these things that um, like working with clients talking about um, opportunities or moments where they didn't feel seen by their parents. Mm. Yeah. It was over something small at first. It might have been over, well, we had a miscommunication about, um, you know, their expectation for me to wear a certain type of clothing or something mm-hmm. when I was small. Um, I didn't want to wear shoes. <laughs> and I was pretty sure I was not going to wear shoes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, my, me too. Yeah, <laughs> my parents, but my parents were, were very much wanting me to wear shoes. Um, and so really it becomes clear that it wasn't ever about the shoe, the reason we're talking about it right now in therapy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was about this dynamic that unfolded that created a series of virtual others in their, in their mind about this power, control, autonomy, choice, um, all of these themes that were so implicit mm-hmm. in that interaction between them and their parents yeah. quickly uh, embedded within their mind this uh, check that has to happen mentally. Right. When I go to express myself, 
I've got to deal with all these virtual others now Mm -hmm. uh, between, is it okay for me to do this? Right. What will Um, people think if I make this choice to dress this way, to cut my hair this way, et cetera? Yeah. Yeah. Other people like that lived experience of those virtual others carries with it this like internal unwavering truth to Mm -hmm. you that other people are going to have an opinion and that opinion is going to be trying to strangle your self-expression. Yeah. Just so you know. Or, or even if I'm not aware that they're trying to strangle my self-expression, I'm aware that for some reason their opinion matters to my okayness. Well, that's really, yeah, yeah. that's like the, the deeper part of mm-hmm. it of like, I have to check with others right. before I can do anything. Yes. Yeah. Am I allowed to be what I am in this space? That is determined by other people's reactions. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's one example. And there are so many, mm-hmm. like the brain does this like every millisecond. And it does, it does it with uh, good experiences and negative That's experiences. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So the negative ones are usually the ones that we think about pretty often, but an easy one is how about a ghost of the past around Christmas? If Christmas was a positive time, yeah, right? Like most of us, part of the reason why a lot of people get giddy around certain times of the year is because the ghosts that come up to haunt them during that time of year are their favorite ghosts. Yeah. They're just like, heck yeah, that's when grandma would make that's this. That's right. And then dad and I would watch a Christmas story. Yeah. And then, you know, on and on it goes. And fall feels good because yeah. there was that excitement about school and everybody like getting to be together again. And here yeah. comes those ghosts. And I like these ghosts. Yeah, they're, they're my nice. friend ghosts. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, as you guys were kind of talking about that, I was thinking of how embedded these virtual others feel that sometimes they're confused with our own Mm. voices, Mm -hmm. right? Or our own, um, it it becomes how we make sense of the world. So even thinking of my own experience with virtual others coming up, it's not like in the moment I'm consciously aware of, oh, that is, you know, grandpa's voice or (laughs) that is right. It's, it becomes a way that I think of myself. Mm -hmm. I, um, appraise myself or appraise the the situation of the world Mm -hmm. around me, good or bad. But it's not until really bringing that into conscious awareness. This is, but where did I learn that appraisal of myself? Where did that come from? And that is the ghost sneaking in. That is that ghost of the past. And a lot of times in working with clients, I'll hear them say something an appraisal of themselves in some form or fashion or like, well, I could never do that. Right. Okay. Interesting. Whose, whose voice is that? Because that doesn't sound like that's not what I believe to be true about Mm -hmm. you. And that doesn't sound like a way I've heard you talk before. Like whose voice is that? Mm -hmm. And like, where is that coming from? And I love that you pointed it out in the way you did, because there's this, there's this outing of a virtual other right. that mm-hmm. happens very clearly. And if you learn to recognize it, you can spot it just mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. Like when the shift in posture happened and they said, well, I could never do that. Yeah. Well, like, and that Whoa. to me, that, that feels like moments where we actually sort of shift into not just being haunted, but actually channeling the ghosts. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And now their voice is coming out of my mouth as yeah. me, as yeah. me. I just, <laughs> I was just talking to somebody a few hours ago and they said, yeah, I had to send this email and I just sort of had this feeling of like, maybe I shouldn't send this email. So I sent it to my best friend and said, hey, will you read this for me? And she immediately sent a message back and she said, uh, that doesn't sound like you. Who the heck is that? Like, yeah. I've never heard you wow. sound like that before. And I'm like, yeah. that, that is it. You were channeling something. So I asked her, I said, well, who does that sound like? And she had a long list of Sunday school teachers and parents. Yeah, and it's an amalgamation. Yes. Yes. It's a put-together yes. person. Yeah, it's, and, and sometimes the ghost is a cultural ghost, right? It's sure. not just a, a single individual in our life. Sometimes it is that amalgamation of, well, I don't know. It was just, you know, that's what everybody in my church thought. Yeah, right? who wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. it was everybody. Yeah, it's easier to spot the outliers than the inliers. Yeah. yeah. Well, and Jen, to your comment, of it, it becomes an internalized representation. Like mm-hmm. my, how my surroundings treated me growing up shaped who I thought myself to be. Yeah. yeah. And so whether that was negative or positive, right. chances are that's the same internalized representation I have of myself. Right. So whether good or bad, like I was just thinking for me of some of the positive attributes that I know to be true about myself, those are also mm-hmm. like reflected appraisals from others. Absolutely. Yeah. Everything. So anything that you're, you know, to be true about yourself is that way in your mind now, yeah. because it was shown to you, maybe not by others, but by how you moved through life early on. And the responses that you got from yeah. others. Did yeah. doors open up for you? Mm-hmm. Did you find success? Mm-hmm. Did you find satisfaction? Did I feel safer? 
when yeah. I showed up this way. Yes. Mm-hmm. Did I feel more in control or did mm-hmm. I feel more protected or whatever? Or on the other side, did I actually feel unsafe most mm-hmm. of the time? Did I actually feel scared? Did I feel insecure? Did I feel, you know, whatever else you want to add on to that, that is the way that you, because of your activation internally and then how that was met by your environment, that's the memory that was stored. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's the appraisal of ourself, but also I was just thinking of others as well. When I go into meeting an authority figure mm-hmm. is my immediate response, oh, I feel safe because there's an authority in the room. Or is it I feel threatened because there's an authority in the room? Mm-hmm. How do the ghosts of the past, those virtual others show up and how we're appraising other people and our safety with them yeah. and, and recognizing that, okay, someone of the past may have a stored memory of that may have told me authority figures are unsafe mm-hmm. or authority figures are safe yeah. and that kind of determining how we're going to anticipate them to be moving forward in our life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was just talking to someone the other day about, uh, this experience that they were having with, uh, fearing more and more that they, um, are, are losing the ability to do the things that they find enjoyable Mm. or meaningful Mm -hmm. and they were talking about how it really started about two years ago when they were uh, at this social gathering and they had what they called their first panic attack and the fear was um, I can't be safe here right now because I'm away from this I'm away from this person Hmm. that it I am now realizing is like the only time I've ever felt really safe was wow. with this person. Yeah. And so if I'm away from them now in doing all these things that I've never done before, how am I supposed to like mm-hmm. do it? Well, how am yeah. I supposed to know if I'm even doing it right? Yeah. And so they had this first panic attack and then up, you know, since that two year ago, Mark, they've just had little experiences up to now to where it's been shown to them over and over again that they can't do it without this mm-hmm. other person. Perpetuated that. Yeah. Oof. And the anxiety about becoming anxious mm-hmm. set in. And now they're in this place of not wanting to leave their house. Mm. They they feel stuck because they can't find um, a way to get back to that place where they felt like they could do it. Right. Mm-hmm. So the last paragraph of mm-hmm. what you just shared, I feel like is a beautiful example of what, understand actually is (laughs) it's the it's the opening up to a deeper broader more nuanced story of why somebody is showing up the way they are that's right and you just articulated and probably you articulated it to that human of hey i think that this might be why Mm -hmm. and when we do that because we never want to fall into that trap of making assumptions we offer it as a possibility you know when i say it this way how does that feel does that feel true to you so Mm -hmm. we're not uh, prescribing to somebody that this is the exact for sure reason why right. you're doing what you're doing. It's always a hypothesis, but when we do that with invitation to, to feel seen and understood in that way, even if we get it wrong, mm. but just the curiosity and the attempt at deep understanding of why might you be showing up in this way, um, that is what that understand piece is all about and yeah. what really invites that other person to um, self-reflect in a safe space yes. because they can feel that we're curious with them mm-hmm. about why this just happened. Yeah. And if we can do that with each other and you know, okay, yeah, it's easy when we're a therapist and the client is asking us to do that because it's literally our job, but we can do the same thing in any other relationship. Yeah. When we soften and let go of the defensiveness of I have to be right. Mm. And instead I move into a place of curiosity amazing conversations come from, could it be this? How does this feel? Does Mm. this feel true? Could this be the thing in your past that is coming up right now? Mm. Those kinds of reflections with each other are amazing and provide Mm. the kind of repair that is deeply healing to the virtual others of the past. (laughs) Yes. Yes, that's exactly right. And to me, you know, there, and I want to now kind of shift a little bit to Mm -hmm. talk about landmines because the virtual others, um, positive, negative, like don't get into the habit of the good, bad. There's no good, bad here. Mm-hmm. They just are. This is a way of talking about the way you've organized experience throughout it's your life. It's always a mix. It's always a mix. Yep. Yeah. And that brings us to where we are today. But what happens in, you know, this, take this case example that I just mentioned of this person having their first panic attack, recognizing that the reason that they were so anxious was because they were away from the one person that provided safe enough for them to try new things. Mm -hmm. And so when they were outside of that, 
they then feared um, in a total inability and that others would judge them, make fun of them, that they would be found to be less than because mm-hmm. they couldn't do something. Mm-hmm. So what that experience then became is what we call a landmine. Yeah, It is an experience where an activation came up, a fear of not being good enough because I don't have the support that I had. And then that collapsed their ability to actually carry out any behavior And then because of that, they became even more anxious Mm -hmm. because now they were away from the group. They weren't participating in this, in this event. And they were instead alone where the anxiety just continued to Mm -hmm. swirl for them. Mm -hmm. So now after that experience, you know, it was two years ago. And as they're talking about it to me, it's clearly very, very real in their body still as if it just happened. Right. In fact, you're probably seeing activation. Oh, man. Like Like flushing. Yes. You know, all the things we talked about in the recognize episode, the flushing, the quickened pace of speech, the almost like perspiring, Mm -hmm. the redness, Mm -hmm. um, the shaking of leg, um, and the kind of darting of eyes. Like all the indicators of an activated nervous system were right there Mm -hmm. as they were telling me. it was stored within that person's system Mm -hmm. in that way. And just, happened it held all of those those responses that activation stored within the system and now as that gets brought back up it all comes back up yeah. yes yeah mm-hmm. and just by talking about it like yeah. even just the mere mention mm-hmm. of the thing it's like by even edging close to the landmines yep. the body starts to react like hey do you know that you could like blow up right now you could like hit that <laughs> we're like real close to like it. danger zone like, and yeah. so we don't have to be like right on it we just have to be near enough for our body to start responding right and can you imagine and this could get a little activating so be prepared but can you imagine if you're not just next to one landmine but you're next to 10 right where mm-hmm. on every moment of each day you're ever closer to this explosion mm-hmm like the anxiety for this person that I'm talking about, that's what their experience Mm -hmm. was is they didn't just have that one event of, well, yeah, it was this specific event that I was at, that I was, you know, 10 hours away from my family and asked to do new things. And I just Mm -hmm. couldn't do it. It wasn't just that one memory. It started to collect other memories after the fact to say, well, now I can't even go to school Mm -hmm. without, without having a panic attack because what if somebody asked me to do something there? Mm. Then I, I can't do that either. And then the people mm-hmm. that know me, that like my friends, they're going to judge me. Mm-hmm. And I just can't, I just, I can't do that. So mm-hmm. I'd rather just stay home. Stay mm-hmm. home, of course. Yeah. So, um, Less risk of activating any landmines yep. right. if you're just... And right. that's when uh, they started uh, homeschooling mm. out of an attempt to try to stay safer. Right. And that actually perpetuated it. Right. Because it brought, it, it, it took away any opportunity for a disconfirming experience, mm-hmm. which will also... Yep get to is there anything else on landmines you want to talk about i don't think so no i just think you know melissa you mentioned it but knowing that any of us you don't have to be a therapist or counselor to to recognize these things or to talk about them or to understand what's going on it's about being able to just stay curious and be in a place of you know, wondering for yourself and noticing when other people have a big reaction, not jumping into an equal reaction, right. but kind of pausing for a moment and just wondering like, what is that? What's coming up for them? Mm-hmm. What, what may have their past experiences been? And just knowing that it is our past yeah. that creates who we are right now today. And so when we have a reaction of whatever sort right now today, it's created from the past. Yeah. Right. And an understanding that it's not coming as a direct result of something about us, but, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it could be a virtual other, a landmine, something else coming up from the past that's influencing that reaction. Yeah. So often we, um, and Melissa, I'm thinking of the, like, what does fire actually need? It needs a vessel, Mm -hmm. not, uh, like not more gasoline, right. not water to right. put it out. It needs something a container contain and it. just enough fuel. Right. Exactly. <laughs> and so that is the, the container part is what we're going to get to with the attune and co-regulate. Yeah. But what we're looking at right now is some of us fight fire with adding more mm. accelerant. Mm-hmm. We just meet it with our own activation mm-hmm. and we get bigger now. Some of us put water on it yeah. to, to totally extinguish it. Right. shut it down. Right. Yeah. Or remove themselves entirely right. from it. Right. And so what we're pointing at right now is like, let's look at the way that, which is our compulsion maybe? Which one do we find ourselves doing more? Mm-hmm. Do I fight things with more fire? Or am I a more water person and I try to get out? Mm-hmm. 
how do I meet these types of activations in my day-to-day living? Yeah. And to stay with the analogy, the attempt here is to meet it with the groundedness of an earth quality that says I can be present and I can be rooted in this moment with you um, so that we can uh, surround this fiery experience together and create a co-regulated container that says, yes, this is allowed to be here, Mm -hmm. but also it's not going to be a wildfire that destroys us. Right. (laughs) And that's like to now pick back up with that case example I was giving. The family uh, tried multiple strategies to Mm -hmm. deal with this anxiety. So initially they just dumped a bunch of water on it. They Mm -hmm. went and rescued them from the experience they were having, drove 10 hours to go get them, picked them up, came back. And they didn't do anything but stay at the house for like a couple of weeks. And mm. then then that was still not working. Depression came in and now they were like totally filled with anxiety and depression. So they added more fire. They pushed them back out into this new oh, camp experience. Yeah. And well, maybe this will be better. And it's actually mental health focused. Oh. So maybe we could get... <laughs> Are you rolling your eyes oh, right now? No, not really. I'm like, I know. Oh, and just but the desire of families yeah. to be helpful yeah, and, and to try to do. Yeah. So yeah. And there was horses there. Oh. And, so, and there's, there, there's like art therapy too. So maybe you'll have such a good experience. Yeah. None of this they've really done before. Mm-hmm. Oh. So it actually was like the worst thing yeah. ever. And so then more. And now associated with my mental health. Yes. Like, yeah. And getting help for that. Yes, exactly. Yes. Yeah. And so. I bet it was imagine. really easy to come to therapy. Yeah. Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. You're saying that sarcastically? Yes, I am. I want that to come through very clear. That was sarcasm, full on. Therapy has been very difficult for this person (laughs) um, because of the virtual others. Like, have this in mind. This is all a part of what we're talking about. The virtual others in this process are now surrounding their ability to ask for help, Mm -hmm. their ability to actually change, and even grow their sense of self to say, no, I can do things on my own. Mm -hmm. So one last hard part, the family then added more water. Um, went and got them out of that experience, oh. rescued them again. Yeah. And that's when they started homeschooling. And so that took away any opportunity that that person could have for a disconfirming experience. Right. So this is the part where we kind of want to land the plane and talk about the way the brain uh, can change. Right. And that's, that's really important when we're talking about recognize and understand because it, it takes disconfirming experiences for the body and mind to reorganize, to be Mm -hmm. open to new experiences. So if, you know, I have this activation pattern and this, this now kind of regular, um, activation sequence, more of the same is going to continue to confirm the narratives and the virtual others that I have already in my head. Yeah. It's just going to be more activation, more anxiety when I'm away from home or thinking about doing something new without Mm -hmm. mom and anything uh, that could come to separate us is actually going to add to the threat. Mm -hmm. And so I'm just going to stay home. I'll do homeschool and therefore uh, I'll never have to be anxious again because mom's always here. Mm -hmm. Well, that is great if mom's always going to be there and you actually are going to be the most fulfilled version of yourself by staying home all the time, Mm -hmm. which isn't true. Problematic on many levels. It's just not true. There's this whole thing with launching and yeah. Mm -hmm. Anyway, (laughs) uh, we need to leave the home and pursue our dreams. So eventually, yes. Mm -hmm. But when we, when we, kind of corner ourselves into uh, the space where we are no longer having any opportunity for a disconfirming experience. It's just going to be more of the same. Right. So really what we're working towards right now in therapy is finding one other person outside of the home environment that might feel safe enough to go hang out with for just like a day, just like an hour, go have go have a conversation, go play a game, Go do something where it's enjoyable and then you know you can come back home. So it's it's establishing this opportunity for them to have one disconfirming experience with another person mm. that can then grow their ability to say, you know what, actually leaving the home for an hour isn't the worst thing. Mm-hmm. I can actually enjoy myself yeah. and come home and tell my mom all about it. And she can be excited mm. and she can celebrate my ability to go do that. Yeah. That right there is one example of a disconfirming experience. The, these will range from small things to gigantic things. You know, um, there's just a million examples. Yeah. I don't know how oh, yeah. far well, you guys yeah. want to go. So many. But yeah. I think some of the key features of that disconfirming experience is it has to be something that activates that stored memory in your system enough right. like, to bring out that activation. 
but then to have a different ending mm-hmm. yes for it to end in a different way and that whole experience is played out within the, as some form of safe container mm-hmm. like i can get activated and be in a space where that activation is not shamed it's not dismissed it's not avoided in fact it's invited and embraced and then the outcome plays out differently yes. and i stayed safe right. right nothing bad happened and it was okay and kind of a reworking and a rewiring of the neural networks that were previously stored in a different way yes mm-hmm. and when you bring attention to the fact that it had the same elements at first and then it went a different way mm-hmm. yeah you're inviting the body to be able to say to integrate oh, that oh wait yes that yeah. is different yeah huh Mm-hmm. So feeling the difference and then articulating and right. making sense of right. and drawing that awareness into how different that was. I think part of the, the struggle with this is um, we have a lot of potentially disconfirming experiences that never actually get integrated. Dang it. Yes. Yeah. And yeah, missed ab- opportunities. Yeah, such missed mm-hmm. opportunities. And the biggest reason why is because of lack of safety. Mm-hmm. If I am not safe and my body is in like full alert... Um, there is a high possibility that because of that heightened state of alertness or because I might use a strategy of dissociation um, in those situations mm-hmm. that my body is not able to actually feel the disconfirming nature of what just yes. happened. And so it just kind of floats on by and mm-hmm. we don't actually register. Or sometimes we develop these really interesting stories that we tell ourselves to make sure that that experience never gets disconfirmed because we're afraid of it ever getting disconfirmed. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. And that's um, just to cue into this <laughs> example. Mm-hmm. Oh man. Um, <laughs> there's so much there. There's I can so tell. much there. So one of the, one of the speed bumps that we're running into right now is that, um, if mom isn't there at some point in the encounter with this leaving process, it still goes bad. Mm-hmm we can't get any because what, and they're resistant to this reflection up to now. Um, I just had one session with them, um, that was positive. So that's good. Um, (laughs) but any association to their ability to feel safe without mom Mm. means that I don't care about mom. Right. Like I'm not appreciative of her. Like I feel like you're trying to get me to leave my mom. Right. It's like, And why would you do that? Exactly. So immediately, you know, and that's why I brought this up, Melissa, like it's, it it has these virtual others that come forward Mm -hmm. and say, oh, you can't be open to this because it's actually going to take you away from your mom. That's right. And really what, in in my theory, is at the base of this is afraid that his mom is is one day not going to be there. Mm -hmm. Right. And that that's ultimately the scariest thing. Absolutely. But there's reasons why we can't let go of it internally that really, you know, at, at, if it were to become conscious, that's something that all of us have to deal mm-hmm. with. But and it time. feels intolerable. Yeah. So Melissa, you're discussing that in the disconfirming experience happens and they're aware that, well, Hey, I was able to leave mm-hmm. mom for that hour and come back. But when no the body okay. feels too threatened, right. exactly. it doesn't also feel it as disconfirming. And no, because it still felt terrible. Right. Like right. everything right. about it felt terrible. It felt yeah. unsafe. Mm-hmm. It felt threatening. I was anxious. I think the, the reverse time, can happen yeah. as well as we can feel safe and go through that. But without any attention drawn to the fact that that was disconfirming mm-hmm. to the past, we misvalue. Yeah. Um, in that as well. So it's that integrated experience of both your body and your mind Mm -hmm. being able to be aware that that experience played out differently and was safe. Yeah. And I think that's one of the beautiful and most therapeutic things about the understanding part of RUAC is that with understanding, my awareness gets increased so that I can actually integrate those experiences more. Um, So I would say, hands down, it feels very true to me that shame is the thing that usually blocks integration of disconfirming experience the most. Mm. Um, you know, certainly there's other emotions as well. Fear being yeah, one of shame them. Shame and fear are definitely. Yeah, the, those yeah. are certainly the top two. And I think that shame is one of the biggest culprits in terms of keeping us from really integrating um, a disconfirming experience because of the nature of shame. And so we can have experiences where somebody treats us in a way that does not confirm that shame, that is accepting and loving and encouraging. But then shame comes along and says, oh, well, they don't really mean it. They're just saying that because they have to. How many times a month do we hear, well, you have to say that because you're my therapist. (laughs) That is shame saying, no, do not integrate. This This person can't mean this. No, they can't actually care about you. 
And, and here's a, a good story to explain why that can't possibly be true. You're paying them, so they have to say that, yeah. right? And that's an example of shame coming along and, you know, kicking out the potential disconfirming experience of that uh, acceptance and saying, no, you may not enter. And so um, as we bring awareness to that and say, oh, like shame just completely stole that opportunity from mm-hmm. you, right? And exploring why that's there and bringing understanding to the need for that and how scary it would be to actually believe, like even yeah. to dabble with the belief that somebody could really just care about me. How challenging is that Intolerable. to really integrate it if I've lived my whole life believing that nobody could ever possibly love me? Yeah. And so just because it should feel good <laughs> doesn't mean that it always feels good the first right. few times. And that's part of the challenge of integrating those dis- disconfirming experiences is it's really uncomfortable. Any kind of change is uncomfortable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's just a little bit. <laughs> there, um, there could be so much more. <laughs> yes, of recognize and understand. And um, the next kind of two episodes are going to be, what do we do about this? Yeah. Um, they're, you know, recognize and understand are two of the biggest components of this. Mm-hmm. So attune and co-regulate the last two uh, pieces of the acronym follow our ability to do recognize and understand um, very thoughtfully and intentionally and integrated well. And so even if that's all you have, if you just have recognize and understand so much change mm-hmm. is possible, oh, yeah. Yeah. you know, the attuning and co-regulating process is a different animal. Yeah. Um, and that's why we have these four different letters, not all together. Mm-hmm. Recognize and understand uh, is a beefy process in and of itself. Mm-hmm. And it's something that, um, a lot of people, um, when they come to therapy, that's what we're working on yeah. at first is can we even yeah. recognize what's going on in the body and understand where it came from? Mm-hmm. Can we do that? Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of therapy that stops right there. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and it is therapeutic. That's like there's, there's a lot of benefit to it. We don't stop there. We take it, you know, the two steps farther and mm-hmm. we're going to talk about that. But, um, there's a lot of really beautiful conversation and a lot of healing can come from just having the experience of somebody that can see you and recognize you and try to bring some understanding and actually comes with open curiosity to why you're showing up the way you are. That's beautiful. Like do yeah. that all day long in all kinds of situations and it'll never lead you wrong. Right. Great job. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so the, the next two steps are, you know, the kind of gravy on top that takes the goodness of that and deepens it and turns it from, Oh wow, that was a really great experience to it being therapeutic and deeply healing, mm-hmm. not only for what's happening in the present, but even has the power to be healing to what has happened to us in the past. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I just always come back to, offering yourself that same gift yes if you know we're all going to stay up late processing all the things that happened the day before and what did i say here what did they yeah. say maybe not everybody yeah. <laughs> okay. that's just you jen but i go straight to sleep it's I not just you okay yet. no <laughs> also sarcastic that was another yes, sarcastic yes. <laughs> but in that if in that processing or that over analyzing or overthinking that we're doing we can offer ourselves that same gift of saying how could i try to find myself in a place of recognizing and understanding my own activation mm-hmm. and my own responses and where that comes from. It's going to reduce that shame that you talked about, which mm-hmm. is so disintegrating. Yes. And at least set us up, not perfectly, but set us up more for a healing experience and to have like a, a grace experience for ourselves and compassion. And that's going to offer our systems healing rather than further perpetuating the problems. Right. Right. Yeah, it's so true. So this feels like such a natural transition to talk about what we wanted to end with today. Do you guys Mm. want to say anything about understanding before I talk about retreats? No, I think it's a great transition. What an invitation. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Uh, So I feel like perfectly primed to talk about retreats today because I'm uh, coming off of a three-hour retreat session this morning, which was absolutely fantastic. You have six more hours of it to go. I do. I know. (laughs) We're just like at the very beginning and I'm like super excited to see how it all unfolds. Um, But one of the uh, things that we get to do here at BHC is offer therapeutic retreats. Specifically, uh, we offer EMDR, but it can uh, be other than that as well. It just happens to be one of the uh, modalities that we find the most effective. Um, but we create three to five day healing intensive retreats for people that want to come and work with one of our therapists 
to really kind of dig in deep and uh, bring that insight and understanding and have somebody to sit with you in a curious place to investigate why are you showing up the way that you are? Why are you having the experiences that you are? Why is your body getting activated in the ways that it is? And how can we provide some experiences to really not only disconfirm the painful things of the past, but invite your body to experience connection, relationship, and all the other beautiful things of life in a new way. Mm-hmm. Um, and so retreats are just a fantastic way to do that because we get to leave behind all of the distractions of day-to-day life and just sink in and really feel what in the world is going on with us. It mm-hmm. feels like a, a sacred time, so much so, mm-hmm. of... Um, Yeah, I can't say enough about how sacred it feels to sit with somebody in that space. Um, But we love doing them, and we have a whole team of therapists that are able to do them now. And on top of the three hours of therapy a day, you also can add things like therapeutic massage, yoga, Mm -hmm. uh, equine work with horses. um, And the list is kind of constantly growing, art therapy, et cetera that we're adding to the menu of services that you can choose to provide yourself with the most healing experience uh, possible. So if you're curious about that, um, or if you want to just like book for next month, come hang out with us next month. Heck yeah. <laughs> There's no that option on too. next month. We well, yeah, try. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> probably. Yeah. Brooklyn um, is a wizard. Yeah. So. Yeah. She's great at uh, yeah. Our uh, retreat coordinator, Brooklyn would love to answer all of your questions about that. Um, and match you with one of our uh, therapists that can do that. And so you can, uh, find us at beyondhealingcenter.com and click on the retreats tab and look at all of that info. You can email us directly at therapy at beyond healingcenter.com and get some information about retreats and we would absolutely love to host you here in Springfield, Missouri at mm-hmm. either our city location or our country location because that's we right. have two now mm-hmm. and country comes with horses so that's my favorite um, so thank you guys so much for listening and we hope that you have enjoyed listening to us chat about this as much as we enjoy talking about it. Safe journeys everyone Bye Thank you for listening to this episode of Beyond Trauma, a psychotherapy podcast from therapists for clients about the journey of trauma recovery. While resources like this can be helpful, they should never take the place of or be used as therapy. We encourage you to find a trauma-informed therapist in your area to be your guide in this healing journey. Take a minute to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or Spotify, and we would appreciate it if you could leave us a review. You can connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Patreon at beyondtraumapodcast.com. Thanks again for tuning in.